morning, Journey. So if you've been here at Journey the last few weeks, we've been walking through this sermon series through the book of Exodus. And can you turn this? That's real hot up here. Thanks. It's not just me. Um, and so... <laughs> And everybody left. We've been walking through the book of Exodus the last few weeks. And this, this sermon series, Out of Darkness. And we've seen this epic story of God freeing his people from enslavement. This incredible story of God's people who were held captive, who were in bondage and enslaved. And God sets them free out of darkness. If you've been here the last few weeks, you've seen how Moses, the reluctant leader, came. And we talked about all the plagues that God sent to release his people, this epic battle that God engaged in so that his people could be set free and they were led out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, into freedom. And then this morning, it seems like in Exodus 20, then God says, now that you're free, now that you're out from under the yoke of, of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and the oppression, now that you're out of that, here's a whole bunch of rules, <laughs> now that you're free, that I'd like you to live by to keep you in line. It, it, it kind of reminds me of when I went to college, and like I felt like I went away to college, like this was my new sense of freedom, and I'm old, so back about 25 years ago when I went to college, a big thing in my house was no earrings and no tattoos. And so I went to college in this newfound freedom, and I could go where I wanted, I could stay out as late as I wanted, I could hang out whoever I wanted, and I went down and got my ear pierced, looked awesome. And I called my dad before I went home, and I said, hey, I'm just giving you a little bit of a heads up, but uh, I went downtown today and got my ear pierced. And my dad says, great, take it out before you come home. And I laid into this great speech of how now I'm 18 years old, I have all this freedom, you don't own me, I have been set free from your oppression of the last 18 years, I'm a grown man, I can do what I want, when I want, how I want, with whoever I want. And my dad on the phone says, that is so great. I am so glad that you are experiencing this newfound maturity and freedom. Don't let me forget when you come home to give you the insurance bill for your car, the medical insurance for your life, and the, and the car payment that we've been paying. Now that you're free, you can do all those things. And I said, I'll have the earring out by the time I come home. <laughs> We get into Exodus 20 today, a familiar passage for probably most of us, where God gives these Ten Commandments, and that's a little bit how it feels. It feels like that God set his people free, and then in the, in the first moment he gets, he goes, okay, but now that you're free, here's all the things that I'm going to tell you you can't do so I can keep you in line. In fact, as we look at the Ten Commandments, I, I think that's what we've always thought. It's what it seems like. It's probably even, to a certain extent, what we've been taught is that this is simply a set of rules that God gives his people to keep them in line. Well, church, my hope is this morning that you and I will discover that that is not what these Ten Commandments or what we call the Ten Commandments are all about. It's not even in the next few chapters of Exodus, it's not just these commandments, but there'll be all these laws and regulations and sets of things that look like rules, and we read those and we get bogged down. And I want to suggest to you this morning that that is not why God gave these that God's law, God's word, God's commandments are not supposed to be just this whole list of things that's supposed to keep his people in line. I think they are much, much more than that. 
And before we jump into that idea, let's review a little bit this morning. And I'm sure most of you know these by heart by now, but we're going to go through them anyway. In Exodus 20, this is what God tells his people, these, these ten commandments that he gives. They're supposed to be these overarching commandments or these overarching words that kind of summarize all of the law that is about to follow. And the first verse of chapter 20 is really important. God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And what God is doing is he's setting the tone right from the start. God's saying, before I get into these things about how you should live and the way you should live and the way you should interact with each other, God says, let me remind you who I am. That I am, I am the one who set you free from captivity. I am the Lord. I'm the one in charge. I'm your God who brought you out of captivity, out of darkness, into light. And then he says, so you should have no other gods before me. See, God declares right from the start that he desires this exclusive love of his people. God says that now that I've rescued you, I'm the only God that you worship. This is the umbrella command for the other ones that are about to follow. Because every other command, when you or I break it, what we're really saying is somebody else other than God is in charge. God says, you shall have no other God before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. God says no carved images because there's nothing we can do that can reduce God to something of our own making. That's what God is telling his people, that there's, there's nothing you can make that reduces me to your own making. God goes on, he says, you shall not bow down and serve them. Verse 7, he says, you shall not take the Lord, your God's name in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes the Lord's name in vain. And this word vain, we, we've read this command before, and most of the time we talk about it in terms of like swearing, right? That you don't use God's name or Jesus' name in a common or flippant way. And, and that's certainly what this is talking about to a certain extent. But that word that, that in the Hebrew is, we translate as vain, it also actually has a meaning that could say falsely carrying. And what it means is it's probably a better translation of falsely caring. It, it brings the connotation or the meaning of, of not carrying the image or the name of God in a way that damages God's reputation. So, so what God is really saying when he says, do not take the Lord's name in vain, he says, don't falsely represent who he is. Well, that includes what you and I think, what we say, what we do, or what we don't do. If the things that we as the image bearers of God live give God's name a bad reputation, then we have taken his name in vain. God goes on, he says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. God says, honor your father and mother. God says, don't murder. And yet Jesus in Matthew 5 took that even a step further. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, if you're angry with your brother, you will be liable to judgment. God goes on, he says, you shall not, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Jesus took that even further in Matthew 5. He said, if you look at a woman lustfully, with a lustful intent in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. God goes on, he says, don't steal, don't bear false witness, do not covet what your neighbor has. And I look at those commands, and you get to the last one, and you go, covet, I, I don't do that. 
He says, don't covet what your neighbor's house or don't covet your neighbor's wife or his servants or his oxes or his donkeys or anything that your neighbor has. Well, what God is talking about in covenants, it's really a heart issue. God's not suggesting or God's not saying that, hey, he's not just saying, don't go over there and say, boy, I really would like that. What God is asking is he's he's saying, have you or I ever been discontented with our life? Have we ever wished that our life was different or more like someone else's? Have we ever disliked someone or been bitter at someone or, or even bitter at God because they have more than we do? That's coveting. And God goes through this list, and then in verse 18, it says, All the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of a trumpet, and the mountain was smoking, and the people were afraid. Yeah, hello. And they trembled, and they stood far off, and they said to Moses, You speak to us, and we'll listen. If you speak, we'll listen, but do not let God speak to us again, or we will die. And in this moment, it feels almost like a bait and switch to me. God has led his people out of darkness into light. He's taken them out of captivity into freedom. And now he says, here's 10 things that you're never going to be able to do. Right? It it feels like freedom and then back in under the yoke of oppression. Because God gives them this list. He brings flashes of lightning and thunder and all these things. And they're scared to death because they're scared of who God is. And then it seems like he just gives them this list of things and he gives us this list of things that we all know we've all done, right? Like I've done all those, not all of them, but a lot of those, right? And so have you. And I think before we jump in this morning, it's really important for you and I to remember that each of these commandments is actually something that's expressing a much broader principle. That when God says, take no other gods before me, that encompasses a whole lot of other things that we should or shouldn't do in our life. In fact, the first four commandments are upward. They're towards God, how we should obey and and view God. And the other six are outward. They're horizontal in how we should treat each other. Upward to God, outward to each other. I think Jesus talked about that, right? When, When somebody asked him what's the greatest commandment, Jesus said what? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And I want to suggest to you this morning, as we walk through this a little bit more, that this list is so much more than a set of rules to keep you and me in line. Why do we know that? Because of the God who gives them. See, it's not supposed to make sense, right? Like, if you're sitting there this morning like I do when I read that and go, why would a God who sets his people free then give them a whole bunch of rules to keep them in line? That doesn't make any sense. It's because they're not just a bunch of rules to keep us in line. See, God's commandments are so much more. And the first thing we see is that God's commandments, they are a window into who God is. God gives these 10 commandments. He gives a whole slew of other laws and regulations in the Old Testament. As we read through God's word, there are all kinds of things in the New Testament that Jesus says and that the writers of the New Testament say that we read about how we should live, right? Things that we should do to be obedient to God. And all of those commandments, everything that God gives us in his word is a window into who he is. 
That's why God starts with, don't forget who I am. I am the Lord your God who led you out of Egypt into freedom. And these commandments give us a window into who God is. Every commandment teaches us more about God. Have no other gods before me? That's because God wants to make sure we know that he is the ultimate authority in all of creation. No carved images. It's because God wants us to know that he is the only one that's worthy of our worship. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. It's because God wants us to know that he is not common. He, he's holy and perfect. God says don't murder. It's because he values life. God says don't bear false witness because he values honesty. Every command, everything in God's word is a window into who he is. That God is the creator of the universe. He alone is the ultimate authority. He is the one who gets to determine our moral standards by which every creature that he created, by the way, will be judged by. And God's commandments remind us that he is God. He is worthy of worship, and he is the one who knows best. It, it reminds me of the story of the captain of a, a really large battleship. And he looked out into the darkness as they were sailing, and he saw this really faint light in the distance, and he called the single men on the boat, and he said, make sure you send a message and tell that person to alter their course 10 degrees south. Well, he sent that message, and a return message came right away, and it said, alter your course 10 degrees north. So the captain, who was not really accustomed to people telling him what to do, sends another message back, and he says, I will have you know this is Captain Wilson Alter your course 10 degrees south. Well, a message comes back right away, and he says, I'll have you know, I'm Seaman Third Class Jones. Alter your course 10 degrees north. Well, now the captain is angry because this lowly person isn't listening to him, and he sends it back, and he knew this would strike fear into his heart. And he says, here, let me tell you something. This is Captain Wilson of a battleship. Alter your course 10 degrees south. And another reply came instantly, and he says, This is Seaman Third Class Jones. We are a lighthouse on a rocky cliff. Alter your course 10 degrees north. Church, I think it's really important for you and I to first remember this morning, every time we read something in God's word that convicts us or challenges us or commands us, we need to remember who the message is coming from. See, you see, God is not somebody who's trying to give you and me a set of rules to keep us in line. That's not the picture of God that we get in Scripture. He is a lighthouse on a hill who's trying to guide us to safety. And God's commandments remind us that that's who he is. They're a window into who he is. God's commandments are a mirror that reveal who we really are. They reveal how dirty we are. See, God's commandments show us who God is and how holy and perfect and good he is, but they also are a mirror into our own lives where we see how far from God we've drifted. As Bible commentator Tim Chester says, he says, you and I need to recognize that we are God rejectors. We are God rejectors, God reducers, God disgracers, and God replacers. He says, we are rebels, murderers, adulterers, thieves, liars, and enviers. You and I will never know forgiveness and freedom from sin until we see who we really are in our sin. God's commandments remind us how far we've drifted from who he is. 
They teach us and they show us and they convict us of who God created us to be and how far our sin has drifted us away from that. I, I don't know about you, but when I read those commandments and as I dig into those 10 basic principles that kind of overarch a lot of God's teaching in the Old Testament, I read those and goes, I'm all those things. Like it's, it's tempting, isn't it, as a Christian to feel really good sometimes and forget where we came from? Or, or to kind of gloss over things. I think that's what Jesus was doing in Matthew 5 when he drilled down on these. Like, I read those commandments and go, thou shalt not murder. Well, I haven't done that yet. I probably shouldn't have said yet. <laughs> that's kind of creepy. <laughs> but then Jesus says, yeah, but if you've been angry, you're already down that road. Ugh. Jesus says, you shouldn't commit adultery. I'm like, good. He goes, yeah, if you've looked at anybody with a lustful thought, you're down that road. Ugh. He says, you shouldn't covet. I go, I don't even know what covet means. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, it means that you've, you've ever wanted something that somebody else has or you've ever been discontented in your life. If you've ever been discontented with your life, you've coveted. I might be coveting all the time. And I read God's word and it reminds me, it's a mirror where I go, you know what, God, I am so far from who you created me to be. It reveals who we really are. And I don't know about you, but that, that's hard, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's convicting, but it's needed. Because I think you and I many times tend to fool ourselves into thinking that we can figure this all out on our own. Or we tend to fool ourselves into thinking, I'm really living all these rules anyway. Like, I don't, I don't really need this stuff because I'm already living just the way God would want me. We forget who God is and in turn, then, we forget how far we've drifted from who he created us to be. It, it, it's like the old story of the man who was on an airplane, and he sat next to this beautiful woman, and he propositioned her. He asked her if she'd be willing to, to leave with him and, and be with him for the evening for a million dollars. And the woman at first was like, <sighs> and then she got to thinking about, that's a million dollars. And so they began to talk about what the terms of this would be and, and what that would actually look like. And as they're walking out of the plane, she's decided that she's going to do this. And as they're leaving the plane, the man looks at her and he says, well, uh, here's the deal. He said, I, I probably overshot the amount of money that I have. He says, I, I, I can't give you a million dollars. Would you spend the evening with me for, uh, how about 10 bucks? Well, the woman is instantly insulted and, and wants to slap him across the face. And she says, what kind of a person do you think I am? And this is what he said. He said, we've already established what kind of a person you are. Now we're just haggling over the price. See, God's word reminds you and me of who we are apart from him. It's a mirror into the fact that I am a sinful person who can never meet the standard of a holy God that is shown in his word. And that's depressing, <laughs> right? Like that's scary and that's, it seems like the opposite of freedom. But the third thing that God's word does for us, his commandments are a light that point us to our need for a savior. See, it's a progression See, God's commandments reveal to us, it's a window into who God is. And God's commandments are a mirror into how far we've drifted from who we were created to be. And so then God's commandments are a light 
that point us to our need for Jesus. Many times we talk about this idea of obedience, and, and I've used this illustration before of we miss the target, right? We talk about how there's a giant bullseye, and the bullseye in the middle is Jesus, and we're off here to the left or the right or a little bit over the target. And I was reading uh, an author earlier this summer, and he made this comment. He says, that's so wrong. <laughs> he goes, that so undershoots what's really going on. He says, if Jesus is the bullseye of this target, he says, what we have done in our life is we've looked at the target, and then we've turned around, and we've shot the arrow completely the other way. It's like we're not even looking at the target. That's how far we've drifted from who God wants us to be. And we need someone who can come and turn us around. We can never even remotely get close to the target on our own. That's what God's commandments teach us. See, I think we're supposed to read things like the Ten Commandments and go, I can't do that. I think that's the point. <laughs> because then it reveals to you and me our need for Jesus that we can never be justified on our own. That's why in Galatians chapter two, it says, yet we know that a person, that you and I, we are not justified by works of the law, by our ability to obey. But through faith, through belief in Jesus, we also have believed in Jesus. Through faith, we believe in who Jesus is and what he's done. And we do that in order that we can be justified by faith in Jesus, not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. What, what Paul is saying is he's reminding us that you and I, we can never obey our way into heaven. We can never be justified by our ability to keep a list of things that God gives us. That's not the point of the list. The point is to remind us that we need Jesus Romans 7, Paul says, we are now released from the law. We have died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Scripture over and over and over reminds us that freedom comes all the time from knowing who Jesus is. And so when God gives Israel this list of commandments and rules and laws and regulations, the temptation is to go, great, now he's just putting a whole bunch more rules on them. No, God wanted to make it clear to his people who he is, who they are, so that they would know who they needed. Let me say that again. God's word, God's commandments, God's laws, God's regulations are so that his people will know who he is and who they are, so they know who they need. So what do we do with God's word? Does that mean we don't have to listen? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'd like to tell you this morning, right? I'd like to go, yep, and the Ten Commandments right out the window. Go do whatever you want, because Jesus will cover your sin. It'll be fine. Paul talks about that, says that's crazy talk. Jesus said in Matthew 5 that he didn't come to abolish the law. He said, I actually came to fulfill them. See, I, I, Jesus came not so we wouldn't have to obey. Jesus came to show us why we should and who we are obeying. See, Jesus fulfills this law. He meets the law, that the, the need that the law exposes. See, in the law of Moses, we see our sinfulness and our solution. In God's word, we're reminded and confronted with our sin, and we're also reminded and shown the promise of the solution. 
we see ourselves as we really are in the ugliness of sin, and that makes us see Jesus in his glorious, beautiful righteousness and provision. See, we realize that all the goodness and all the beauty that we want and we can't obtain is only found in Jesus. His record is now our record. We're redeemed by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We've seen that in the Passover that Dave talked about a couple weeks ago. But church, don't miss this this morning. You and I are also redeemed and made right by the obedience of Jesus. What that means is every time you and I break God's law, we need to remember that Jesus kept that law for us. Every time you and I fail to do God's will, we need to remember that Jesus perfectly obeyed that will for us. Jesus kept everything we've broken on our behalf. And scripture tells us that the Father has put us in Jesus. That when we come to Christ, when we bury our old life and are raised to a new life in Jesus, that not only is Jesus living inside of us through his Holy Spirit, but we now live in Christ. A new life, Paul says. And what that means is because we are in Jesus, God treats us as Jesus's record deserves. And so the verdict that God writes across your life and mine is the verdict that he writes across Jesus's life. He says, you are my child whom I love and with whom I am well pleased, just like he said to Jesus. Tim Chester, the Bible scholar, said this way. He said, made righteous in Jesus means we are empowered by his spirit. We are loved by his father so we can begin again today to do God's will. What do we do when we fail to meet God's standards? It's just what we're saying. I run to the Father again and again and again and again because the Father looks at me in the same way he looks at Jesus. Jesus lived the life that we could not live and he died the life that we should have died. Freedom is found in him. See, God's word is a window into who God is, this holy and perfect God. God's word and his commandments are are a mirror into how far we've drifted from that. And when we see those things clearly through scripture and the commandments of God, it's a light that points us to Jesus who saves us from our sin. Out of darkness into light. And his commandments and his word are what help us live as freed people. See, that's the secret as the band comes up this morning. God didn't give this list to Israel to give them a whole bunch of rules that could keep them in line. God gave these commandments so that they would know how to live as freed people. See, God tells us what to do in his word, not so he can keep us in line. God tells us what to do in his word so that we know how to live in our freedom and not return to our captivity. See, the underlying assumption from God in this scripture is that Israel, his people, would fulfill these obligations out of their love for God. They're not keeping these commandments to merit God's love. That would be stupid. Because God's already shown he'll love them even if they don't, right? 
That's why there's an order in the book of Exodus. God didn't give all these commands and laws and regulations to his people and then say, now that you know this, I'll set you free. No, God said, I will set you free. And then I'll show you how to live in that freedom. Because God wanted to make it abundantly clear that our obedience is not what sets us free. Our obedience is how we live as freed people set free by the grace of Jesus. See, this, this whole series is titled Out of Darkness. And it reminds you and me that, that we have been led out of the darkness of sin into the light of the freedom of Jesus. God sets his people free and then God gives his words to remind us of who he is, to show us how far we've drifted from who he created us to be, and to give us the best way to live and experience the life that he freely gives. To point us to the one who forgives and sets us free. He sets us free. He brings us out of darkness. So as we get ready to sing this morning, let me close with Colossians chapter 2 where Paul reminds us that you and I, we were dead because of our sins. We were dead because of our sinful nature was not yet cut away. We had not yet been set free. Then God made us alive with Jesus. He forgave our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away, and he nailed it to the cross. God's word and his commandments this morning, everything that's in here that he tells us to do and to not do and how to live, it's what sets us free. It's what brings us out of darkness into light. His word shows us who he is. It shows us how far from him we've gone. It shows us who we need to set us free. And it shows us how to live in the light of freedom so that we can lead others out of darkness. Church, I hope you know that freedom today. And if you don't, we would love to talk to you about it. We invite you this morning to stand and to worship in the freedom that is found only in Jesus.